0: You're listening to Highlights from the Creative Process Interview with Amy Aniobi. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation.
1: Amy Aniobi, welcome to the Creative Process. Thank you, thanks for having me. And so I would like to welcome you. The creative process is something you've been working at for a a while now, and we're so excited, but also a little saddened to see this last season of Insecure, but I feel it it has like a perfect shape. So it's, and we're very excited for what is on the horizon. What is it like to be a part of a show that has really had a huge impact on Black women and others and, you know, just to to see their reactions and telling these stories that need to be told?
0: Um, That's such a great question, Mia. Like literally during the last week of production, um, we kept having this conversation, myself and the other um, uh, co-EPs and EPs, uh, Laura Kittrell and Denise Davis, we were talking a lot about like, we are we are part of a cultural moment and we know we are, which is a very like kind of out of body experience because we kept thinking like, I'm, I wonder if when Fresh Prince was making Fresh Prince, did they know that people would be paying attention to them for years to come when they were making, you know, just any iconic black show, did they know? Because a lot of those shows, when you look back at their history, they were like on the bubble. And, and I always think that about like girlfriends and living single. Did they know that people would still be talking about them? And I think there's always a hope that they will. But what was, was interesting about that final week of production is because we were all sharing our memories on social media and then we were getting responses. It wasn't like we were sharing them into a vacuum. People were responding and fans were saying like, I'm crying watching your stories and all this stuff. And that's when we were like, oh, oh, this, this, this is important, it's more important than us, um, and it was such a surreal feeling and something that, like, honestly, in an ego-free way, just made us feel, like, very part of a moment and and still living in that moment as season five airs, like, we're in the moment of being remembered, which is really weird. (laughs) It's really weird because it just started with like you know a bunch of vagina jokes <laughs> in a writer's room but now it's like actually becoming a moment
1: and you know I'd so you you touch okay the sense of friendship is really um it's tangible we can all feel it and I'm sure that you're all you know close friends there and I wonder you know sometimes I ask uh, you know comedians because there's there's a lot of tenderness you're telling you know you know serious truths is there a pr- price to pay for comedy because there's that vulnerability that you bring into it I think there can be
0: in the wrong space you know I have to credit Issa and Prentice so much for building such a a a special room and setting the tone of like this is a place where you bring your best self and um, you bring all of yourself every day which has been such a great place to create story from Um, we have a, we used to always say, like, we had a safety, like, phrase when you're sharing something that makes you feel really vulnerable. You'd always be like, well, this thing happened to my friend, um, and she did, da, da, da. and you'd kind of share the story, and everyone knows it happened to you, but, like, we would always be like, well, let me tell you about my friend, <laughs> and so we started there, and then we always said, what, what shared in the room stays in the room, and Prentice, I I just love the number of times that we would have these, like, in-depth conversations about really personal shit or about actual friends lives and he would say like if it's for story I want to share this but it stays here um and and it was never like it better stay here it wasn't like a threat it was just like an understood like that's the ethos of, of this room we're going to share our most vulnerable selves to get to the best stories and it's funny because I'm like I know from a comedic standpoint um it's it's maybe different to share things that are like funny for you or things that have happened to you that are hilarious but this show is a dramedy and being able to share things that both like make you hurt and make you feel pain or things that you experience that you're not proud of like all of that being able to have like a, a safe space to share it in was really important and I think it it shows in the writing I would, I would like to believe that it shows in the writing um, that we all felt um comfortable sharing every part of ourselves with each other and creating story and, and character from that.
1: What were some, I guess the more challenging scenes to write? And you should also say part of this you're also producer, now director, too. So I mean, in the different roles you play?
0: I think I mean, there's so many after after five five seasons, there were a lot of really challenging scenes. Um, I think the I will say like the most rewarding scenes, if i if I could answer it that way, is, is more so the things where we get into a gray area where there isn't a black and white conversation to be had or opinion to be had. Did you have advocacy in mind? Yeah, I I think in terms of did I have advocacy in mind, I always think of like, you know, those athletes who get caught doing something terrible and they're like, I didn't set out to be a role model. You know, and they're just like, "I, I happen to be really good at baseball. I didn't mean to be a role model. Quit judging me. I'm the opposite of that. I just always knew part of having a platform is being a role model. Like part of it is helping people. Part of being a showrunner is helping other people become showrunners. And there's nothing sadder to me than the writers who want to get to the top and get all of the recognition and never share the the stage. Because at the end of the day, I'm in this to be immortal. And the only way you become immortal is by having people continue to to speak of you and continue to recognize the work you've done and continue to grow in the ways that you've helped them already structure help them be planted you know and and i'm like the only way you get to be immortal as a storyteller where tv just like is disappearing um the minute it airs is by helping other writers become storytellers so that that's what i am in it for um so advocacy was always in my dna and maybe it is that you know that part of me that loves working for nonprofits and like was like I could be I could make nothing and just help some children learn how to read for the rest of my life like there's part of me that is has that spirit in her so I think maybe that's why I don't think everyone who gets into this is like that but I think I I don't think I know that Issa is you know and so In another way, it was such a natural fit to work with her, not just because we're Black girls who went to Stanford and are awkward um, and all of that, but also because part of that mentorship, it's in her DNA too. Um, So it was so easy to be in spaces and say, hey, this person's shining. Can we give them a shot doing this? Hey, I'd love to, um, I've been directing a lot. Could I have a shot directing on the show? Like things like that are so much more, like, better received in an environment that's already ripe for mentorship. Um, I don't know another way to function um, except to help to pay it forward. So <laughs> I think it's just in my DNA. And I wish it was in more that's writers' DNAs, honestly, you know, that's great. what we're here to do.
1: You know what the struggle entails. And so if you can help those who have talent, because writers are also sensitive people. It's a kind of a strange combination. Oh, yeah. In television, because you have to oh, be yeah. kind of business, you know, you have to be a producer, but really, mm-hmm. you're also a sensitive person sharing all these things. We should oh, say, yeah. You should I'm mad your, yeah so it's <laughs> I don't know how you balance that, or like you know, it's so the Jekyll and Hyde or what. But mm-hmm. um, we should say, as you said, both awkward girls. You your relationship with Issa, it's it's like ongoing. It's developed. There was awkward black girl. Just tell us a little bit about that genesis.
0: Yeah, of course. We both went to Stanford and we knew who we were, but we weren't in the same year. So I didn't I didn't know her well at Stanford and it wasn't until Awkward Black Girl that we reconnected because we had mutual friends and I was in grad school at UCLA for screenwriting and they were looking to hire writers. So we were reintroduced and and I remember our, our friend basically, said, do you remember Issa from college? And I was like, Yeah and and i was like oh yeah the girl who's always putting on plays (laughs) and they were like well we're hiring writers for her web series um and so that that's how i got reintroduced to her and i'm so like literally the best thing that's ever happened in my life (laughs) i'm so happy i got reintroduced to her and got to work with her on awkward black girl and even after that show ended again much like insecure is very much like we don't want to overstay our welcome so it was two seasons and when it ended she I always told her, I was like, I'm just going to stay in touch with you because if something else comes up down the line, I want to work with you again because I enjoyed it so much. I just enjoyed being in a creative space with her, someone who saw me and whose voice I felt like I could mimic slash imitate and was partially mine as well. Um, It was so organic writing for that web series and I wanted to replicate that. And luckily that sort of like cyclical, like, um, I guess, support structure we have developed on Insecure as well.
1: I'm curious about what your writer's room is like, because it's all behind the scenes so you don't get to see. But as you say, I have a feeling it's quite organic and maybe more respectful, because I've also heard from other people that other writer's rooms are pretty, can be combative, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't, um, yeah. And I've been in some rooms that were not as um, comfortable as as insecure. And I'll say, I think there are some people who's, who breed brilliance with the lack of support, like cutting people down makes them better at their jobs. Like I, I know some great shows, like I won't name them, but some amazing shows that have super toxic rooms. And I'm like, why? Why is it that way? But our room is not like that. Um, it, it's just very warm and we have like a mix. It's, it's mostly women, but there are a lot, there are like four men, five men, I think in the final season and six women, um, uh, mostly black women, but also uh, and also uh, other colors and also queer people and, and different income levels. Like it was just a mix. And I felt like our room, and then also I still remember we had two white writers our first year and Prentice, he was like, well, I never wanted to have, um, I had been the only black writer in so many rooms. I didn't even wanna do that to a white person. So, and I was like, well done, Prentice. And like, obviously as it went forward, we had more, but like, it was something that, that I just think it was so intentional the way the room was constructed, it was so intentional. And it was really like vibes first. Like you have to be able to vibe. You have to get along with these people. You have to be someone who's warm and giving and generous and kind first. And then let's talk about your writing talent. And then let's talk about the stories you have to share. But if you don't have a reputation of being just a good person, then it just, it wouldn't have been a fit because our room was just, um, it was that. And when I talk about like that cyclical support, it's really like I give to the room and the room gives to me. And it just continues that way. And I feel like every writer in our room was like that. We got better because we are part of this room. The challenges you have of being a writer and producer wearing those two hats what is a daily challenge that you could do without? A daily challenge I could do without. It's so funny. Like, I, I always feel sometimes to our detriment that we write kind of in a vacuum where we're, we, we write what we think is the best story. And then we put on our producer hats and say, okay, now how do we make this story? And very often we had an amazing support in Jim Cleaverweiss, who was our um, line producer, but he's a creative line producer. He really thinks about story as well. And he would be like, this script is unproducible. Um, uh, We have six days. We have this much money. You cannot do it. (laughs) And we're like, oh. And then he would find like, okay, well, what if this scene and this scene were combined because it's kind of hitting the same story point? What if this was changed to this? Could this play in this location? We already have access to this street. What if we do it over there? And so we would have these conversations to try and make the things we wrote in a vacuum producible. To have a creative line producer like that is such an asset and such a you know, like, bow down to HBO um, for having access to people like that who who are so respective of the story that they're not just like, you can't shoot this. But also, I think, as a producer, sometimes in the writing process, I had trouble removing my producer hat because I'm always thinking of producibility. Like, I think maybe... Uh, because I started in the web as well. And because I shoot indie projects all the time, I'm always like, where are we doing this? How are we doing this? And and there were times in the room where I would say, well, guys, at the end of the day, like this is like too many locations. And Prentice would be like, can we just like write the story first? Like in a blue sky situation, Amy, we don't know. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so there were times where sometimes my producer brain got in the way of my writing brain um, or vice versa, you know, but- I think that's what kind of makes you a showrunner. That's what makes you um, hireable in television is when you have both sides of your brain, um, of the producer brain and the writer brain, the left and the right um, working in tandem. I actually think that that's what helps you move up because you will become a producer's worst nightmare if you don't know how to write a producible script and their best friend if you can turn something that's all creative into something (laughs) producible. So I always wanted to be able to do both. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or to learn more about participating in exhibition or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.